0: Tax season is around the corner and most employers are required by the IRS to file information returns. An information return is a mandatory form such as a 1099-NEC or a W-2 that is used to notify the IRS and taxpayers about taxable income. eFile4biz makes it easy to file and deliver 1099 and W-2 forms online. Their easy to use interface helps you file forms in just minutes. You can enter your data manually or import from Excel, QuickBooks, and Xero. Enter your data and eFile4Biz processes, prints, mails, and files 1099 and W-2s for you. Easy! Get all-inclusive eFile services quickly, efficiently, and securely with efile for biz today. It is free to try, only pay when you're ready to file. Visit now, wwwefile is the letter E. The word file, the number four, and biz with z as in zebra.com
1: playing with basically the same hard sticks and rock hard ball above the head, and I just couldn't believe it. And yeah, I started asking questions and I you know didn't like any of the answers that I got, and I still haven't gotten you know any answers that make any sense to me whatsoever, other than um, the many, 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 many people, girls, parents, doctors, coaches, um, who are on board with the fact, the scientific fact, that these girls need to be wearing head protection in a sport, again, played with that you know, stick and rock hard ball.
0: In today's episode, I interview Rob Stoker. Rob is a personal friend of mine through a entrepreneur, entrepreneur's organization called EO. And uh, during this time, when we were in forum together, a, a group of uh, six or seven guys just working on our businesses collectively, he sold his real estate business to start a manufacturing business, specifically making helmets for a girl's sport that didn't have helmets. Listen in and uh, you'll discover a unique story. All right, so, okay. so let's, let's go back to September 11th. So uh, you were a day trader. Uh, the planes hit, like, what was that moment like for you?
1: Yeah. So it wasn't when the first plane, I, when I got to my office, everybody was watching the TV. Usually it was on MSNBC, CNBC, something like that. And um, everybody was just glued to the TV because the first plane had hit, but nobody knew what it meant. People, you know, it was could have been an accident could have been anything. And it was literally a minute after I walked in, second plane hit and that's when everybody knew at least what it was and and then from there nobody knew you know what what to expect what was happening with new york um so you know i I had my friend wayne it was i was working with all my friends we built the trading floor together um and i grabbed my friend wayne who lives in new jersey five minutes from me and said let's get out of here and i'll never forget it he looked back at me and said Um, And I talk about this in the book. He looked back at me and said, I can't leave now. I have two people coming in for interviews at five o'clock today. Um, And that was his mindset was just he.
0: Wow. So in the moment, such a good,
1: such a good person. Like, yeah, nobody took his work more seriously. And I looked back at him and said, Wayne, those interviews were just canceled. And my friend Jared who kind of ran the whole floor, um, looked at us and said, get out of here. And he, I, I wrote about it in my book too, that Jared's leadership, what he did that day, 200 young traders some of them couldn't go back to their apartments and Jared stayed until late that day, making sure everybody had a place to go. Everybody was okay. Well, I turned around and ran out the door.
0: Hey, just to me a little fair. you had their microphones were kind of rubbing against your shirts. So if you just pull it out just a little bit, hold it out. Yeah. Sure. yeah. That's better. So, okay. So that's a, that's a moment in your life. You, you started a day trading company and what I want to build to is this pinnacle moment of you leaving it all behind, but we're, we're going to get to that. Let, let's now go a step back. So prior to this, you were doing work down in Philly, I think, right?
1: Yeah, I, I always liked uh, real estate. I thought that I wanted to be a landlord own buildings. Um, and that's, that's where I was headed. I, I, as a kid, I you know, grew up in, in Philadelphia. You know, my father lived in the city and I loved being around him. And we you know, moved around to different apartments and um, just, just like the real estate business. But yeah, then in 1995, 25 years old, my friend Mark, uh, who a year later, best man at my wedding, um he called me and he had called a couple of our friends uh also and we all i instantly moved from philadelphia to new york to start day trading i think he was like the sixth ever day trader and i was somewhere around 16th 18th or something like that so really um, yeah
0: um and then, and then after september 11th did you leave day trading just because you're getting burned out anyway
1: 100 I, I i you know it was it's it, it was tough uh you know we that was our life i was trading pretty much 24 hours a day in my head i was sleeping trading I uh, you know we were we were all you know talking and it was i was glad i was working with all my friends and um had great support group starting with my wife julie uh but that, that was my world for those six years or so you know non-stop um and it's stressful and it's ups and it's downs and you know um yeah, you know, a lot of lot of different different emotions there. Uh, so, and and we all knew it was we were we were young and enjoying every minute of it, but that it wasn't gonna last forever.
0: Yeah. Okay. And then what what was the next thing you did after that? That's when you started accumulating buildings or apartments or something, right?
1: Yeah. So I had a, I, a you know I love Philadelphia. I uh, started out buying some buildings in Philadelphia, and then I have some other friends that we started buying land up in Albany and. Um, I just tried a lot of different things in real estate. I tried flipping houses. I didn't like it and I was terrible at it you know, for a lot of different reasons. And, um, I thought real estate was what I liked, um, until I, you know, was a landlord for the first time. And, um, I, you know, I didn't like that much either, but, you know, once I was well, in.
0: Okay. But then, you know, then you, you and I met through EO, you, you joined EO and this was, right at the precipice of of massive change for you. I mean, you actually had started it right when I met you, but, uh, days, weeks or whatever months before this, you had 80 apartments. Was that, that you owned and that was your source of income.
1: Yeah. It, yeah. In Philadelphia. Um, yeah, that was a big source of it. It wasn't the only source I, I always, um, you know, was starting to different companies. I started a solar panel installation company, uh, oh, okay. 2009. I don't know if I ever told you this, but I started it with, uh, uh, my neighbor. I just moved into a house, and we both were interested in putting solar panels on our house. And um, you know, just both same type of look into it. And we were like, let's start a company. Next thing I knew, we did eighty jobs. You know, in in within a half hour of our house, but uh, within six months, a lot of money in the account, a lot of assets. And you know, my pretty much my neighbor stole a lot of it and oh. called him on it. Um, he sued me for six point something million dollars. And I don't know if I ever told you this, Mike, but nine years in court, it was a nine year trial. Are
0: you, no, you didn't tell me this.
1: Yeah, it was, yeah, nine year full trial. It was 30 something days in court. I, how did um, that
0: ever get finalized or settled out?
1: Yeah, so I was awarded 260 something thousand dollars by a judge, but uh, you know, the legal fees were close to double that and thousands of hours. Uh, you know just just down the drain dealing with all kinds of different things that you know he was he did to just try to bully me and you know yeah.
0: L- lawsuits are just horrible I, I i don't think any side wins It, the emotion and the anger um I, I don't know if you knew this i used to be in forensic investigations i think i've told
1: you yeah, yeah. well I, I mean from your books and bio I've- yeah 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 <laughs> right, right,
0: right but uh, same thing so i i saw a litigation well, one of my clients, um, and this is, this is, um, past any sequestering thing, was Christy Brinkley. She was getting a divorce from this guy named Peter Cook. And so we were the investigators of that case. And I remember going to meet with her attorneys and her in the room and the, the anger in her justifiably, but the lawyers milking it. Oh, what, there's other evidence because the more emotional engagement they can get from their client, the more they can extract money. It, It's a perverted game. Uh,
1: Absolutely. If you, I I always say this, if anybody calls a lawyer because they're having an issue like I was having with my neighbor, one of the first things that you'll hear from a good lawyer is I want to get this done quickly. I want to come to a settlement that works for you. I, I, you know, I want this over. I don't want you to have too much stress. And if you think about it and lawyers are different and some people, some lawyers are great out there and really mean that and are looking out for you. But for the most part, what that means is not enough, not, you know, less business for them because the longer it's strung out and the longer it goes and the more pain, you know, it's it's just, you know, calls and writing for them. And I can't tell you how, how many days in court I paid for two or three lawyers and we would get there at 8.30 in the morning and maybe get ten thirty, a half hour with a judge. It would then have to run to the back to take a phone call. Then we would go to lunch for a couple hours, get an hour in the afternoon, and I'm billed for you know twenty one. Full hours.
0: day, full day service, yeah. Rob. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's 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 sickening. Uh, that that it needs to be, the whole thing needs to be overhauled. Yeah. But after the solar business, you, you built another successful business. Uh, you have eighty apartments that you're. You're a pro- owner and property manager, I presume.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm an owner, yep, and manager, everything. Yep.
0: Okay, you you're doing okay for yourself financially, and uh, and then you get this 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 crazy mission, like I got to change the world type thing, and I meet you, and you're like, oh, I, it was I think literally the week after you said I sold everything, it's all gone, <laughs> and I'm like, what? Who who is this guy? Uh, what what happened? Uh, well,
1: I, I never liked being a landlord and I, I wasn't very good at it. I really wasn't. I, people would come in and tell me their stories and I, I would feel really bad. I, I would say, okay, you know, take your time. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it, you know, it's takes
0: sounds like st- a good landlord to me. <laughs> well,
1: yeah. It depends on how you look at it, but business wise, you know, I, yeah. you know, not, not, I mean, I got lucky that the buildings went up and up and up and up and up in a value, but um, you know, I, I, uh, oh, I had same rental agent for a long time, same maintenance staff for a long time, very loyal um, you know, to my people and, and that part of it I, I enjoyed, but the rest of it, and I saw it. I saw every email, every toilet, you know, uh, that didn't flush or leak yeah. or, um, you know, when it, I, I always talk about how I love the rain as a kid. I would go outside in the rain and a lot of it because my parents went through an awful divorce, but I was out yeah. rain, snow, whatever. And from the day I took, you know, bought that first building, I started hating the rain because as (laughs) landlords know, with, with a lot of rain comes the potential for leaks.
0: Yeah. (laughs) It's just a
1: nightmare to deal with. Leaks are awful.
0: So, okay. So you, you hated the business, but you, you fell, I don't even want to say in love with something, but let's talk about the helmets now. So what inspired you to start Hummingbird, the helmet company?
1: Yeah, it was my girls. It was uh, you know, that's I have my four girls, and um, I you know played sports as a kid. But I, growing up in Philadelphia, I played basketball, soccer, um, you know, a little baseball, uh, city sports, stickball. Um, but I didn't know anything about lacrosse other than that it was growing in popularity. And my girls played basketball, soccer, uh, volleyball, uh, field hockey, tennis, everything. Uh, very four very athletic girls. Um, And then my two youngest came to me and asked me to play lacrosse and I took them to the field and the boys are on one side wearing these big hard helmets and the girls have nothing on their heads and they're playing with basically the same hard sticks and rock hard ball above the head. And I I just couldn't believe it. And I started asking questions and I, you know, didn't like any of the answers that I got and I still haven't gotten, you know, any answers that make any sense to me whatsoever, other than, Um, the many, 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 many people, girls, parents, doctors, coaches, um, who are on board with the fact, the scientific fact that these girls need to be wearing head protection in a sport again, played with that, you know, stick and rock hard ball.
0: So, so your questions were around injury, I presume concussion, maybe other questions too. What, what are some of the stats What are the feedback you were getting?
1: Yeah. So I did that part of it. I didn't ask any questions about, I, I know that head trauma, head injury, they're part of sports. I I'm a huge football fan and um, yeah. you know, they, the way that the game has changed, I think is great. I it's, uh, you know, especially as I get older and you know, you see those hits to the head um, and you hear the stories and uh, one of my partners in this headgear makes our uh, interior padding uh, is Sean Springs who played in the NFL. Uh, he makes out, our man. interior padding, just a great guy. And he knows so many players who suffer years after. So I knew about head injuries and I'm not even close to being a doctor, as you know, but I know they have long-term effects and yeah. um, what, just a single blow to the head. And I I picked up that rock hard lacrosse ball and Again, you know, it's, it's, it's whipped in the air hard and girls are running everywhere. And the other part of it is I know I've seen it firsthand with having my older sisters, you know, when, when they were young play sports and then having my girls play sports and even watching sports evolve as, as they have played it. My oldest is only 21, but it's evolved in the 15 years or so that I've been around youth sports. Um, these, these kids, these girls are getting bigger, stronger, faster, more athletic. Um, it's great. I love that part of it. They're, you know, they're aggressive. You know, I love all that. I just, you know, it just didn't make any sense to me that first and foremost, we're not looking out to protect their heads.
0: Yeah. And uh, I remember hearing a commercial or seeing an ad and and this opened my eyes to, to the whole situation with concussions specifically. It said a concussion, it is a brain injury. And that was like, Oh my gosh. It's, it's not, You know, it's not a little bruise. It is a brain hitting against the wall of your head, right?
1: Absolutely. And if you, you know, in in my book, I, I write numerous, I actually let the girls write their stories and numerous girls wrote their stories. And if you read what they've been through years and years and years and continue to go through years and years and years after, like I said, just one single accidental ball, mostly in warm ups to the head, just one and what they go through four years and then years later and the girls that i've gotten to know are still in some way you know they're suffering and whatever you know they're they're all great and they're you know they're trying to move on with their lives and doing well and um but they will tell you some of them will just flat out say there's not a day that goes by they don't get a migraine Um, (sighs) someone will tell you they you know it's so frustrating trying to read now and learn something it's not the same Uh, they will all say it's not the same Uh, uh, the girls that i've met and uh, you know the girls that I talk about, and when they write their stories, you know their their life has changed. And, and again, it's you know to us, not all concussions are preventable, um, but certainly there are some of these that you know this design and the engineering and the standard that went in um, to you know withstand some of that ball and stick to head impact. It just it makes too much sense. That's why the title of the book is "It's a No Brainer" because it truly is.
0: Yeah, so just for, so our listeners know for sure, it, the book is called It's a No-Brainer by Rob Stoker. Stoker. It's on... <laughs> Rob Stoker, that's funny. Rob Stoker, it's on uh, Amazon right now. Um, you kind of have to stalk the coaches and stuff. So here's what I, what I wanted to explore. You have created a helmet, Hummingbird uh, Girls Across Helmet. It it services this need to protect girls athletes heads yet there is this community coaches others who are like not not today not now never why you think this is so obvious that every girl would have a helmet but it's it's moving a snail's pace in some cases it's not moving at all
1: absolutely i it's so when you know when i had the when i said that night uh, that these girls' heads needed to be protected, and I found nothing online, nothing available. Um, right. I, I started making calls the next day to some friends, and um, at, you know, at first, naively, it was how difficult can it be to make you know something to protect these girls' heads? And what we found out pretty quickly was really difficult. So basically, U.S. Lacrosse, the governing body of lacrosse, with ASTM, was a you know an independent standards committee to create standards, created this standard for headgear that is soft. I say headgear because you have to be able to squeeze it. Okay. So it has to be soft, but yet it has to be able to withstand that 60 mile an hour rock hard ball to the headgear. 60 miles an hour, 60 and a mile an hour rock hard ball. That was by far the most challenging test to pass. So at first we had soft products that went in there that just failed that test miserably. And then also the stick to head impact, there's a drop test. So it's three tests. Ah, uh, football helmet just has to pass that one drop test. It just has to be hard. This had to be soft and withstand those blows. Not easy to do. I mean, it was, so I talk a lot about it in the book. That was step one. I I knew there would be a transition, uh, just like there's been in every other sport, football or hockey. If you. You know, remember 40 years ago, they had a grandfather helmets in the ice. I remember
0: that the guys wearing no helmets at all playing. It was because
1: because players had played their whole lives without it. And they said, no, we're not going to do it. So they said, okay, anybody coming into the league who's new, I think it was grandfathered in. So if you were in over 10 years, you didn't have to. And then years later, it was down to a couple of people, you know, not wearing a helmet because they didn't have to. Uh, so, I knew there would be that transition. I, we'd say, go to a ski slope. We went to a ski slope 15 years ago. I went to a good skier with a helmet. They would have looked at you and said, I, get that away from me. I'm a good skier. Go give it yeah, to a little yeah, kid yeah, or something. Yeah. I'm fine. Now you go. Everybody's wearing a helmet. It's that, that. So, I knew there would be that transition, but I also knew that common sense um, should win out. And I thought that safety was everybody's number one priority. That's what I assumed. And clearly, at least when it comes to this, uh, it's not. There was real resistance, real venom. And at first, people were standing in front of it saying that they didn't like it. And, you know, there was this fear of the gladiator effect. I don't even hear that too much anymore. It's just the other side's going away. So some of this is just a natural transition to putting, you know, head protection into a sport that these other sports have gone through. Um, I have no doubt I wouldn't be here. I know it's going to get there. Um, it's just a question of time. And, enough people raising awareness. And that's why I wrote the book was to put it all together and say, there's all the science. Uh, there's all the facts. Uh, there's the girl's stories. Doctors uh, are in there. I put QR codes in uh, interviews with doctors. They'll, they'll tell you exactly what they think and how it's ridiculous that these girls' heads aren't protected. Uh, but it's U.S. lacrosse, the governing body of lacrosse that everybody's looking at. Um, and so far they have said it's optional, it's, it's optional. And as long as it's optional, then, you know, a lot of people, unfortunately will A, either not know about it or B, when they find out about it, say, no, if they mandate, I'll do it.
0: I mean, this is a crazy situation. So you started a company that serves what you think will be the number one priority, safety and protection. Uh, maybe if anything enhances the sport, um, meaning that, that people are less at risk, more people may explore the sport as a result, but the faction that manages us lacrosse is like, sorry, but us lacrosse does mandate it for the boys, right?
1: Oh, absolutely. boys wear big hard helmets. This was a different standard because the girls and boys games are different. That's the boys games is physical. um, It's a checking game. And so they wear big hard helmets. The girls game is supposed to be more free flowing. Uh, but that's where the sport any coaches people who have been around the game they'll tell you the game has changed in and of itself yeah. as these girls like I said get her are, are getting bigger stronger faster yeah. and they're allowing light checking just like okay. all sports are becoming up tempo that's the goal of all sports is more up tempo faster 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 and girls across is no different and they're even allowing light checking in the game so um, it, it just makes too much
0: sense so I, we were talking, this is a few months ago. And, uh, I remember you saying, um, it, 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 the thought was for me, I'm like, well, just go to the, to the games, go to the sidelines and say, here's the helmet parent. Your kid has to have this. And you're like, not so quick bucko. Like parent may be excited, but there's another problem. Explain that situation.
1: Yeah. So that's that. And
0: you did I, say bucko. I just want you to remember that.
1: <laughs> wow. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I can't, I can't just always call you Mike. Um, yeah. but I, that's what I thought was and that did happen I would go to other sidelines and I still go to other sidelines and I show it to parents and most people don't even know that it exists yeah. and the first thing I get is oh I didn't even know this was there and of course I've always seen these girls get hit in the head on the field anybody who's ever seen a kid get hit in the head you know we're not just talking about safety we're talking about safety of the head anybody who's yeah. ever seen a kid get hit in the head, on a field and it happens, it happens on basketball courts, it yep. happens on volleyball courts, soccer fields, it happens. But when you see a stick come down on the head, when you see that rock hard ball hit and a kid watch. in the head and them falling, you know, it, it's, it, it's impactful. It, it has to, you know, impact. And that's what I thought was when people see it, uh, they react to it. So for the most part, parents look at it, they feel it, they're like, this is great. I'm definitely going to get my daughter to wear and my response, very respectfully, but in some kind of way, is no, you won't. And the parent will say, no, no, I will. And I said, you will You know, you'll see. And they say, I'm her parent. I'm. I tell her what the rules are. I say, okay, let's see. So after the game, girl comes over. She looks at it, and it's almost invariably. I can tell what they're thinking is, I know we should be wearing it. I know. I I get it. I know we should all be wearing head protection, but look around, nobody else is wearing. So I'm right. not gonna wear.
0: Yeah, you uh, you know, you're the weirdo.
1: Of course, just yeah. no back to that. The beginning days of the, those good skiers, the good skier didn't wanna wear a helmet.
0: Yeah. I'm, a yeah. Good skier, so so I'm how, how did it transition with the skiers? How, why did now, why does everyone wear one? How, how do you make that transition?
1: It's just awareness. I mean, that, that's what it is, awareness. We're talking about girls lacrosse. It's skiing, you know, all over the world. I looked, well, this is a, this yeah. a neat sport. Uh, it's growing in popularity. Uh, Does but, it ha-
0: but but skiing is not necessarily uh competition alone. It's a leisure activity. Lacrosse is not a leisure activity in, in my opinion.
1: No, you're, you're, you're right. It's there. It's played, you know, on fields and, at you know, high levels and fast. And, yeah, but it's not, uh, and I, you, know, you don't years. go to
0: friends. You can go to friends and say, Hey, you want to go sk- skiing this weekend? You don't go to friends. Hey, you want to play some lacrosse this weekend. So, so the leisure community may have picked up first. I don't know. Or did the, prof- the organized community pick it up first? I, I'm wondering if you're going to experience the same transition in this, category.
1: Yeah. So I, I don't, it's, it's, I think lacrosse is just one of those sports and uh, maybe it's getting there because it is growing in popularity. Uh, but I think it's either you, you play through high school or some play through college and then there are pro leagues, but yeah. even them, especially for the women, um, they are just starting another one, but they tried to start one a few years ago and it didn't do well. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's hard. They don't get paid. They, 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 you know, they pay it's the, the girls do at least uh, in the pro league. Um, you know, I, I I know a couple of them well. Um, they have to pay to play kind of thing, and My that's gosh. where the game is. So um
0: so so I, then how do you how do you make this a viable business? I mean you can't live off of I mean listen, you, you got some apartments amazing. Um at a certain point, I, I, I assume Hummingbird's not self-funded yet because people aren't buying the demand's not there yet.
1: Yeah, no, I, I it's this is going to be a process for sure. I knew that coming in, I, you know, making this headgear and you saw the innovation that went into it. Um, we have some unbelievable patents and claims and that can lead to so many more patents. Um, we've made something really, really, really unique and different here. And um, it, it's certainly was never looked at it as an overnight thing. But first and foremost, um you know, I, I I've done some things in business, and you know, it's uh, it, you know, it's, I've been very fortunate my whole life, and um, I take being an advocate very seriously. Um, I, you know, I, I I take that very seriously, and when I saw what I saw on the field, um, something just took over in me that you know, business aside. Um. Yeah, I'm going to do something about this. And, yeah, and you're going to fix It's this. me that stands in front of it, and it's me that calls out U.S. Lacrosse, the governing body of lacrosse in our country. If it's me who will look right in a camera or put right in a book, um, that uh, you know, I, I think what they're doing is, you know, I, I use the word in the book baffling, but I can use stronger language. And yeah, you know, when you and I are you know are sitting around, we <laughs> have, have a few beers, a and we're not recording the language on yeah. that. But yeah, um, no, it's I we're talking about protecting heads of kids and um for me something that's important i have my four daughters i you know i um not only was their safety important to me but it's important for me for them to see that i'm here standing up for what's right they and they know it's right they've lived it they they've talked to these girls they've met with these girls um they've seen the science and the doctors so um you know, the, the support I've gotten from family, friends, that's what keeps me going, uh, you know, every day and keeps me knowing. So, so your
0: own daughters play, but they have the same pressure. Uh, their friends aren't wearing helmets, but you're their dad now. Yeah,
1: yeah so my girls don't play. Uh, my my By the time, so I thought, you know, you're not going to play this season, but give me till next season and I'll make something and you'll play it. In the three years that it took me to make, they went back to playing basketball, soccer, field hockey, volleyball, you know, became you know, too late for them in lacrosse. But that's the point is I I didn't want that to happen to anybody else. And I know it is.
0: So, okay. So you start a business, you have this this waiting game and you, you're you trying to apply pressure, um, just making an aware, you know, through awareness. I, I know you, you've even tried to st- change law. Is that accurate or read legislation around this?
1: Yeah so that that is the point so the Florida High School Athletic Association uh went out on their own uh, you know basically against US Lacrosse just sick of seeing these girls you know get injured and a lot of them preventable injuries and and the State of Florida High School Athletic Association mandated headgear at the high school level for these girls So
0: okay so every girl in in Florida playing lacrosse is wearing the gear at the high school level in high
1: school sanctioned games. That's the most that they could do. Florida high school athletic association yeah. will say for our girls playing at the high school level in those games, uh, they're going to wear headgear. And that was three years ago. And, uh, you know, that they uh, made by the, when we made, they did it before we made our headgear, they made mandated basically anything soft. They were so sick of it that there are soccer headbands that don't even cover the top of the head. Um, that they, they, if you sent them something that was soft, they said every girl's got to wear one of those. So it was a lot of headbands and yeah. kilos. So there was nothing. So when we made our headgear, um, that's when they mandated that it has to be official, uh, you know, uh, um, ASTM approved, certified, SEI certified headgear on the fields. Um, that's that's what they decided to do in Florida. And
0: are, are other states following course now? They trying to look at what Florida's doing. saying we got to do the same. Some states are
1: fully talking about it. Some states see the issue and uh, recognize its importance and other states, um, you know, are just simply going to follow us lacrosse's lead. Um, even the NCAA, uh, or the NFHS national high school, uh, federation, both have said, we're just going to follow us lacrosse's lead.
0: My gosh. So, so you as an entrepreneur, you, you invest in creating this helmet. Now you have to invest in promoting it, uh, and I have my old lacrosse helmet. So I played in college. That's a old, uh, Baccarat, uh, lacrosse helmet. Um, you have companies like this who've been around since this looks apparently was made in the 1800s. Um, you got these helmet companies that have been around forever. They have, uh, the name recognition and the financial backing that perhaps you don't have. Won't these guys come in and the second it hits, they're going to gobble it up and, and try to take you out.
1: No, I I mean I that I, I've i been around business long enough and um I, I have a just an incredible team around me. Uh lawyers, um our, our our patents are unbelievable, uh Mike. And um that was fully part of it was you know taking the time to make something. We were aware that and we want it to be that you know, at, at the, the point where every girl has to wear one, yeah, the more companies that are making them the better. Uh, but that's why. We're protected with our patents that's why there are things like licensing uh deals um you know that's the point we want to get to our our um headgear is just one great option uh out there if there were other options that were good and worked and um you know that that's that's so more, still a win, win for choices you for the 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 girls. yep and more companies getting it out there and um you know with headgear and like i said um you know we feel very 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 protected and it's been a long process six, almost seven years of the patent process and um we've, we've done something very unique here to fit this 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 niche we feel like anybody who wants to come in this girls lacrosse world um you know with this headgear um you know it's it's been done and it's protected
0: so, you know, I think a business that's been around for seven years, the owner, depending on the size of business, active in fulfilling orders, customer content, um, make sure customers are content, advancing the product. Um, is, is that your day-to-day or is your day-to-day trying to push through registration, calling coaches, trying to convince and spark consumer demand?
1: Absolutely. It's day-to-day, night-to-night. Um, it's um, It comes from my passion, right? Writing this book, I... You know, it, it's put it all together. It took me two years to just put the book together. Obviously, it took me longer than that to make the relationships and and learn. But um, one thing that was said to me long ago was that I am the girls lacrosse headgear expert. Um, I might not be the girls lacrosse expert, and I might not be even close to an expert in anything else, but it is the truth. Nobody knows more about girls lacrosse headgear, the standard um the venom uh from you know coaches who have been around for a long time who have this you know fear of the game changing totally no science to it whatsoever um you know that's why i was able to put the the book together and say here's all the information and um, i'll get in front of anybody and stand there and say this is exactly what i think should happen and why it should happen and uh, so far i don't see anybody showing up on the other side
0: You know, know something unique about your position is like, when I had a business, my competition was my competition. In your case, some of your competition is your customer. Like the the person that's got to prove it, the coach or something that says, you know, we're going to mandate it for this team because it's the right thing to do is the one who needs to buy it. But is also the one who says, uh, you know, you're killing the sport. Do you ever get threats from them? Uh, You know, absurd resistance. Why are they acting venomous? Like what's going on there?
1: Absolutely. No, absolutely. That was, so we passed our tests, uh, was four years ago and Laxcon is held every January. So we passed in November and we went to Laxcon and for the most part, you know, the feedback was great the, you know, the coaches, uh, there were a lot of coaches in Florida who knew it was uh, mandated. So for the most part, people see it, understand it. They've seen the head injuries on the field. They know it's coming. You know, they looked at it and, Um, you know, very, very respectful and all good, but there were certainly a handful of those coaches, um, that either, you know, walked right by us, you know, shaking their head or just told us that they didn't like us. They didn't like what we were doing. They thought we were ruining the game. And and here was, it was so hard to pass that standard. And like you said, so much time, money, effort into making something to protect these girls and to get that back from people who have been around the game forever. um, You know, that, that was difficult for sure. But you know, that, that only energized us that that, things like that only make me realize that we're in the right here that um, the, you know, the, the old school mentality of the fear of change, whether it's a sport safety, anything um, that's there, no matter what you look at and, Um, it's not for me, and when I see that and I hear that, then uh, I want to challenge that. Yeah,
0: you get jacked up. That's why I say Rob Stoker is no joker. Like you, <laughs> you do not get around. You know what's interesting is, um, you you and I are both. Well, I'm a former member of Entrepreneurs Organization. You're still active of it. That's where we met through Entrepreneurs Organization. It used to be called YEO Young Entrepreneurs Organization, and one day um, the board said we got to ditch the Y because most people are getting this type of stuff gray hair <laughs> and. Uh, there was resistance and and i was one of them it it was illogical but there's a sense of i think it's called loss aversion where there's something that was part of my identity i'm a yeoer and then one day now i'm an eoer and there was this resentment i i actually called the board and said why would you make this decision without consideration of how it impact members and our perception of it and then i had the awakening like oh actually this is greater acceptance and more people are like oh it's a good thing do, do you see that are some people Ignoring the logic, like safety comes first because of the heritage of the sport, which means their affinity and with their identities associated with they're really trying to live vicariously through their players, absolutely, yeah.
1: so much so that those some of those venomous people will flat out say that head injuries are part of the game. Uh, ah! I suffered, I played, I got hit, yeah that's um, what it we is. we are. I mean, you think about it. How long was it that the NFL, you know, that was, you know, what, to whatever extent they were denying, um, you know, the, the correlation between long-term effects. That's totally. 18 I... years ago. It wasn't that long ago. Um, and there are still people out there. We are just in the beginning stages of learning about head injuries, the effects, um, yeah. and, you know, what a single blow can do. We, you know, we've come a long way in multiple blows, but, you know, I can just tell you from experience talking to these girls and just what one single blow does, um, you know, what hopefully won't be permanently. But so far, some of them six years later, uh, certainly looks you know like they're permanent effects and how that's not everybody's first concern. Um, you know, it, it's.
0: Yeah. Is anything going to stop you? Are Are you in this until the very end? What's the plan for the future?
1: 100. percent So I, I realized long ago that um, this is the path I chose. This is the fight that I chose to fight, and um, you know I I got in this for a reason. It's it's the right thing. I this I cannot uh, tell you. I talk a lot about it in the book, and I have a lot of other voices in the book. Doctors, certainly the girls, telling their stories. Um, read, read one of those stories uh, from the girls and what they've gone through. Read any of those doctors who um, say it's time for girls' heads to be protected in, in lacrosse. Um, two major studies, which has girls' lacrosse as the second highest concussion sport on the high school level of football. Um, other studies, you know, they, they, and, and those are studies, which studies about head injuries, they're not even close to being exact. Um most concussions aren't even reported. Uh, and and you said it best when we first started concussions is it's a word that people use, but it's, it's head injury, it's head yeah. trauma and how you define it and what that looks like for that individual. It's different for everybody. One girl that I met um, in Florida, um, she had eight medicative shots in the back of her neck uh, from a blow that she took. She was helicoptered to the emergency room. And over years, eight medicative shots, none of them work, just to try to alleviate the migraines that she's she's feeling in her head. Um, and uh, you know, read that story and say that yeah, for all this of us should to yeah. So um, no, my my passion is here. I'm not going anywhere. I, um, I love it. You know, until it's mandated, and that's why on the website I created for the book, it was my my mission will be complete when U.S. lacrosse mandates. Um, and then after that, Mike, yeah, from going back to our previous conversation then I'll talk to you about taking down a legal system <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah or well, we can start a day trading business together Any weekly okay Bye. Rob, thank you for joining me it's it's an honor to see you serving a mission at such a high level and that you're so committed to it it's it's good to see someone take a stance and say this this will not I will not allow this to be the way it is anymore because it's wrong so thank you.
1: I, I appreciate it. And I, I think you know me well enough to know that I'm, you know, I, I take stances, but not that many. This was one that from, like I said, from minute one was, I'm going to take the stance. It's going to be me. I'm going to stand in front of it. I'm going to write this book eventually to put it all together and get the information out there. And, um, you know, I, I thought it would have happened by now. It's going to happen, whether it's another couple of years, so not, you know, I'll be patient. I'll keep plugging away, making those calls, talking to doctors, Coaches, girls, um, you know, and keep pushing U.S. Lacrosse. But yeah. I really appreciate you for having me on. Obviously, this is you know what what I'm trying to do is get all the information out there. And you're awesome. Keep keep you know if, if I see you're everything awesome. you're doing. Keep keep doing what you're doing, my man. All
0: right, brother. You won't be stopped. Be <laughs> well. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank you, Mike. Okay. Bye. Okay. So that was Rob Stoker. He's no joker. What do uh, what do you all think about that? story i just don't
2: understand it i do not understand not mandating a helmet for girls when you already mandate a helmet for boys it's like I, I, and mike i thought how you said it best ignoring the logic for the heritage of the sport is what yeah. they're doing and it's just mind-boggling to me
3: yeah i like what he said like imagine? you would think that common sense and safety would win out naturally yeah. and i would think that but I guess you really can't underestimate, you know, people's conceptions around something like that. Yeah. It's crazy. It is.
0: Well, there's that behavioral phenomena. There's multiple, but there's a, there's a thing called loss aversion. Once we experience something experiencing change around that and not having that anymore become, we have an aversion to that, a massive aversion. And so what I hear is the coaches didn't grow up with those rules. You know, I walked uphill both ways in the snow to school. So you have to also, Yeah, there's that implied necessity for everyone to replicate what we followed, even if it's detrimental.
3: Yeah. I mean, we're talking about brain injury. So I know, I know. It's not like resilience building. It is traumatic talk-
0: brain. Injury. Oh, rub some dirt on it. There's definitely resilience. At least how it's perceived. I'm not saying it is, but rub some dirt on it. Walk it off. Yeah. Don't be a
4: Kelsey. That's what they used to say to me. <laughs> <laughs> I so, think it's crazy. So I I was immediately um, reminded of a hockey player named Derek uh, Bugardner, and they, call, they called him the boogeyman. And uh, this was a guy who he was unofficially the enforcer of the team. And the enforcers in hockey are basically the ones that are just bigger than everybody else. They don't have the finesse that, that everybody else has on the team, but they are huge for defense and getting into fights and basically like putting people on the other team in their place when they screw up and the NHL will deny this position, but it is a very real position. And the guy had so much head trauma and brain injury that, um, he, he over, uh, he overdosed on, um, I think it was prescription pain meds mm-hmm. and then they analyzed his brain afterwards and, and found all this trauma. And now they're having all these studies that, show just how serious of an effect it has not on the short, even on the short term, but on the long term, and like your brain patterns and and ways and stuff. It's just mind boggling to me that um, this wasn't something that somebody saw and said, Hey, what's going on here prior to this? Yeah.
2: Yeah.
4: I wonder if these coaches, the ones who are like, you got to, you know, fight this
0: out. And this is the history of this sport. If there's going to be a look back upon those people with disdain, and say, you know, these people are actually promoting head injury that they, right. they decide to actually put a blind eye to it, uh, in, and to be heralded for keeping tradition, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, I wonder if their yeah. statues yeah. are
3: being
0: torn be torn down. At some point.
4: I mean, I don't, I don't think they're actively promoting it, but if you ask them directly, what's the reason they'd be against wearing girls wearing helmets? What well, I mean, what's their well, response? So
0: you you heard Rob say, he was like, well, for the first argument, which is their logical argument is, well, if if they put these helmets on, they become warriors, meaning you amplify the combativeness of the sport because now you can swing your stick and hit someone in the head and the consequences are less. So it becomes more aggressive, which it sounds like statistically, that's absolutely not true. Mm-hmm. The, the second thing is it, it takes away from the tradition of the sport. That's the biggest thing. And tradition I think is defined individually by these influencers. Their definition of tradition. This is what I experience. This is what I want. Yeah. Therefore, it's tradition.
3: Yeah.
2: Why is it so painful for us to abandon tradition? I, I mean, we didn't do seatbelts. We've done it.
0: We've done it. But seatbelts—that took forever. When I was growing up, maybe you two, my mom threw me in the back seat, and um, some. My mom actually forced us to wear lap belts. But in some cars, like you don't put a belt on. Right. You, know, you climb around. Um, in the and the justification too was I'm not a bad driver. I'm not gonna wear a seatbelt. They're the bad driver. It yeah. was totally illogical.
2: Yeah, I'm going and same here. And I'm not a bad player. You know, I, I don't, I don't know. Just it's, but here, it's so a,
0: dangerous. Here's the bigger story. Here's a guy, Rob Stalker, who sto I keep saying Stalker, <laughs> Rob Stoker. <laughs> yes, I like Stalker better. Rob Stoker, who abandons or sells his business, um, which is making a lot of money to do something which probably is making as much money. Yeah. He is making a decision based upon ethics, morals, and putting that above cash. I thought that's a remarkable decision.
3: I agree. And I appreciate the drive and the, yeah. the like, the faith in it and to stick to it and that entrepreneurship provides this vehicle to be able to live out
0: this mission you know this mission this mission the stalker mission yeah stoker stoker he is no joker he's he's gonna be around for the long haul I, i don't know if these other people really know what they're up against like i think finally someone's drawn a line in the sand rob has and he will not be stopped I know a little bit of his personal history when, when he gets his mind on something, no pun intended because he's protecting minds. But when he gets his mind on something, he is not ever going to stop. And uh, he's in the, for this, I think for his eternity. I mean, if it's another two years or another 20 years, doesn't matter. does not matter.
4: He's not leaving. So my niece, um, they both play field hockey. And I remember when I was in high school, I was friends with a, a couple of girls on the field hockey team. And come into class one day and this girl who was a forward for the field hockey team i mean i think she was like all state she's unbelievable had a giant like her eye was completely swollen huge bruise and everything well it turns out she got nailed in the face with a a hockey ball
3: yeah
4: i didn't realize how hard these hockey balls were until later after uh this school day was over we had practice we're on the soccer field and i go over and i grab one of these hockey balls i'm like this is harder than a baseball. Like this thing is legit. Like just like a solid rock. Like if you get hit with this thing, I can't imagine like you just fracture everything and they never wear uh, any helmets or anything. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's, it's odd. It's very odd. I'll give you an insight insight into lacrosse. The, The girls ball and the boys
0: ball is the exact same density, same material. I played lacrosse for eight years and Whenever we walked on the field, this is high school and college. The coach would say everyone helmets on immediately. Every single time you were not allowed to step on the field without the helmet on. Not because you're about to have contact with another player. It's because the ball was being winged around. Yeah. yeah. And the girls, they don't have the physical contact, but the ball is being winged around the same yeah. ball, the same velocity, yeah. the similar everything.
3: Yeah. The logic doesn't make sense. And you would think because men have been wearing it for so long that there's this precedent. Yeah. That's what's really crazy. It'd
2: be one thing, yeah. If you were starting from scratch with both boys and girls, yeah, then maybe, but the boys are already wearing them. That's just wild to me.
0: Right. Well, the boys sport is there's physical body checking and contact. Like you some of the play I, I would argue some of the contact in lacrosse is as violent as you see, as football contact. Oh, definitely. Sports. Yeah, so you experienced that in the girls' sport. That's prohibited. I'm sure accidents like that happen, but there's no intentional. So in boys, it's intentional. I, I think the pads. So we wear shoulder pads. Uh, you wear uh, some people wear chest and even rib cage protectors. Um, I wonder if if the helmet was because of that level of contact uh, was permitted. And it is encouraged as part of the sport. I wonder if because the girls don't have that physical contact that they're they're saying the helmet is inconsequential when it's it's highly consequential. Yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah. I,
2: I think it's there's more- no going back with the head injuries. I mean, they just build on each other and build on each other. And once you have concussive syndrome, it it's ridiculous. It's horrible. It it just it's ongoing. Um it, Debilitation. You can have you oh, can yeah. develop headaches that put you out for weeks at a time. You can have nausea that puts you out for weeks at a time. You literally cannot function anymore. So why risk it? Right. Why and it? it's like your kids. This is a younger yeah. generation. You know better now. We have yeah. the risk now. Yeah, exactly. Sorry, Jerry. I didn't mean to interrupt you.
4: Oh, no, no. I totally forget what I was going to say now. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh,
0: well, we, we want to hear what you, our listeners, have to say. What do you think about Rob Stoker and his commitment to changing an entire sport. Uh, his commitment to starting a business where there's massive resistance. The customers, the people who need you, don't want you. What about starting a business in that field? Tell us what you think. Please rate us, review us, make sure you subscribe. And uh, let's do let's do a little game. Do you have a lacrosse game this time, Jay Shlone?
4: <laughs> no, because I, uh, I remember best I told you business. I messed up my trivia. However, I will try and <laughs> segue this as best I can. So you know how when you get hit with a lacrosse ball, it hurts? Yeah, Mm -hmm. you know what else hurts? Getting a tattoo. Ah, (laughs) So it works. We have some tattoo trivia. (laughs) I love it. That sounds. That was like one of Mike's segues right there. (laughs) Speaking of coffee mugs, my friend has a Lamborghini, and. (laughs) 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 All right. Question one. What year was the uh, first electric tattoo gun patented? Was it 1885, 1891, or 1901? Which doing research on this really surprised me. I didn't realize that it had been around for so long. All right, question two. Selena, Kansas has the least amount of tattoo parlors per capita at 2 per 100,000 people. Miami, Florida has the most at blank per 100,000 people. Is it A13, B19, or C24? So if you want to get attacked, go to Miami. <laughs> <You're laughs> sure. Cuz they
0: do the most of it. Clearly there's a lot of tatted people down there.
4: Yeah, no, they have yeah, there's a lot
0: They know what they're
4: doing. Don't go to Selena. All right. Question three. The most commonly tattooed area among women is the blank. Is it the lower back? (laughs) (laughs) Why Why is that so funny? No, no, because it's a very risky question. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Is it the lower back, the wrist, or the ankle? I feel like wrist is a recent phenomenon. That's a, I'm, I'm between wrist and ankle right now. As well. yeah. No cross talk. You guys. <laughs> oh, no, no cross talk. All right. And then finally, tie, a tiebreaker question. Uh, oh. On the other side, what is the most commonly tattooed part of a man? And that's an open-ended question. Or if you oh, want to, okay. do you want to give right, the options? I, I you can give that. you options. No,
2: no, 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 no. No, no. no, no. It it just good.
4: Tiebreaker is always a uh, open-ended Okay, question one: What year was the electric tattoo gun patented?
3: Nineteen oh one. I said nineteen oh one too.
4: Eighteen ninety one. It was eighteen ninety one. Before the turn of That's the century, crazy. isn't that crazy? Yes. It still uses. The yeah, same... it was
0: before. What, what was that? Was before cars were invented?
4: What else happened? But you know, that was before.
2: That's what I'm saying. We put our energy
4: into an electric tattoo gun. When was a light bulb invented? Um, it was. Oh, that's a good question. I don't
0: mean was that. Kelsey. The I, I <laughs> six We should know that. We, guess should, guess we should. We should. This like, is sad. We don't know this. I want to say like 1910 sad. or something. Nineteen, maybe 1905, 1910. I was gonna
4: say 18 something. No, I thought.
0: I thought it was it's like. Uh, yeah,
2: it was like 18.
4: 1878
0: and
2: 1880.
4: Yeah. 1878,
3: 1880. So
4: it was like t- ten years before. That's crazy. And who, first, was like, Edison, was 18, he just off the Edison uh, worked with Tesla and then they split. And I think, I think Tesla might've gotten it first, but he didn't patent it. I think Edison patented. Edison ripped
0: it off. All right. What's no. number, uh, let's go number two.
4: Am I wrong? Was that, did you say no? Was I wrong on that?
3: I don't know, I but they're giving credit to Edison for oh, okay, yeah. inventing it.
4: So patenting it. Okay. Question two. Uh, Selena, Kansas has two, uh tattoo parlors per 100,000 population. Miami has what? 19. 24.
3: 24.
4: 24, yeah.
3: Yeah, I got one right 24 today.
2: Twenty-four per
4: 100,000. That's a lot of tattoo parlors. That is. The most expensive tattoo artist in the world I found out uh is $1,000 for the first hour. Isn't
0: that insane? So so you, you know, some other tattoo person's like, "I'll be a thousand and one for the first hour." Like, <laughs> yeah, hour. yeah. The
4: second you make that public, someone's like, "Oh, I'm I'm more expensive." <laughs> that's I think you know in general. That's the one thing you don't want to find the cheapest price on. Uh, that's exactly. A that's no, right. I agree. I agree. Okay, the most commonly tattooed area among women is the uh, lower back, the wrist, or the ankle.
0: Ankle. with wrist. Lower back.
4: Yeah, wrist. Oh, you all said something different. Yeah. yeah. It was ankle.
3: Yay!
4: Wow. Yeah, I, and I think wrist is a more recent phenomenon.
0: Yeah, Amy, are you three for three No. No, yeah. two, for three. Oh, thank Does you much for answering for her. I appreciate. it. <laughs> down, <laughs> down, down. I <down>. everything.
4: <laughs> Do we need? I have two
0: correct.
4: Wait, hold. Oh, on, we need. Hold,
2: a, hold. We need the tiebreaker then.
4: Yeah, so we're gonna go to the tiebreaker. Just real quick though, Kelsey, you're you're not the only one on here. Amy, you have a tattoo, right? I think
3: I'm the only no. one with a tattoo. Okay, I now. don't. I'm inkless.
4: Yeah. And a, t- I got, got my one. in
3: Lauderdale. And from Miami.
4: Do you have a tattoo, Jeremy? Uh, yeah. I didn't tell you about my tattoo? Maybe you did. I can't remember. It's a Macalow. It's on my lower back. Oh, is it? <laughs> yeah. <A tramp> stamp. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm going to get your face on my arm right here. Yeah, right, right. No, I actually, I, I don't. Here's the thing. I've actually, before I went into culinary, I took a lot of art classes and I, I drew a bunch of designs. Because I've always wanted a tattoo, but I've also seen so many people who get tattoos and immediately like regret it or a couple years down the line, they're like, that was stupid. So when I get one, it's going to be something that I've 120% know that I'm not going to regret it. Yeah,
2: I'm just so fickle. I know that I'm going to change my mind. Like even if I'm solid on the content, like my kids' names, I'll want a different font
4: in three months. Like I can't do it. <laughs> Amy, you'll get your kids' names and then in a couple months you'll be like, I want to change my kids' names.
2: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what was I thinking? <laughs> All
4: right, so tiebreakers between me and Amy, right? We both have two? Yeah. Yes. Okay, so tiebreaker, what, what, what place on the man is the most commonly tattooed part?
3: Arms. Bicep.
4: I put arm also. Oh, okay. Uh, now to be clear, there's uh, you gotta you gotta be a little more specific so uh, well it's only me and amy so uh, do you have two right kals are you in the time I right,
0: zero right. <laughs> so you can you can give a suggestion kals but you're not in the vote so yeah. you, you mean if it is i say bicep too like th- they do that ring thing
2: i'm gonna say shoulder oh shoulder amy
4: got it it's hey! the upper the deltoid area. The
3: deltoid, yeah. The, uh, the deltoid. yeah. yeah. That's uh, what I was thinking I just said
2: five times. At first, I was going to oh, say sleeves, and then I was like, no, more guys will have to hide it if they have like yeah. a profession where they're not supposed to have them or something like that. So we'll get that.
3: I think, particularly, like even like the older guys in the, Army in the Navy, my dad had his, yeah, yeah a pie uh, on uh, his belt. Yeah. Yeah. And he had a naked lady on his leg. <laughs> <laughs> that he later naked put lady. clothes on because he couldn't go onto the beach with it.
0: No. Tori, naked lady. All right, so Amy won. You're
2: awesome. Yay! Right? Thanks, guys.
0: Now you gotta get
4: tattooed to celebrate it,
0: my Amy. Okay. So I don't know when this episode goes live. I think it's right in the middle of the holidays, right? Uh,
2: I think it's just after. After? Uh, uh, I'll
3: have to look at
0: the... Well, whatever. We either we're wishing you happy holidays, or we
3: we're wishing we're you good times. Good we're wishing holidays, good times. but
0: no matter what, we are wishing you good times. <laughs> don't forget to rate us, review us, and subscribe. And uh, also, please email me a question, any question you have around business. We want to talk about it at askmike at mikemichalowicz.com. And make sure you go to YouTube. I know there's a lot of things you got to do, but it will serve you. So go to YouTube and subscribe. All right? We good, Jeremy? I thought you were waving. No, I was (laughs) waiting for you to wrap. I didn't know where you were going with that. We're good. Oh, okay. Well, let's get out of here. We're all done. We'll see you guys later.
4: Bye.